Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I want to talk this morning a little bit about the Apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, if you will, okay? Um, I just kind of was thinking when we were back in, in our Jonathan project that, you know, the 60 days, I want to kind of look primarily at the 60 days uh, that Peter had from the time of the last Passover to um, basically the day of Pentecost. And I think there's a lot of examples in there for us because Peter, we know Peter was kind of an emotional guy. Peter, we see oftentimes, he wasn't, he wasn't just, he didn't sit back in the background. A lot of times he stepped out um, in bo- boldly, but oftentimes, uh, to be rebuked by Jesus, <laughs> so, but he was so he was very emotional, and he 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 had a lot of different experiences, and probably more than any other disciple we see in in the Gospels. And I just I thought you know Peter can really relate to to where we're at sometimes in our lives because sometimes we we step out, we do things, we maybe you know we go through times of correction in our lives and times of you know where maybe we think we're doing the right thing, you know a, a statement that comes to my mind that's been on my mind lately is, you know, good intentions. We all have good intentions. We all have, um, we all think that what our intention is for is for the good of, of, of collectively of the body or what we're involved in. Our intentions can be good, but there's, there's that saying out there that says the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So we really need to make sure that even though our intentions may be good, that if we are corrected in our intentions or if God, you know, if God's steering us in a different direction, even though our intentions sometimes we feel are pure and right, they may not always be right for the time or expedient for the moment. So, and I think Peter sometimes can, when I look at Peter, I, I feel that he's the same way. He, has, he always had good intentions, but they weren't always in line with God's intentions and what, what God, what God had wanted to accomplish at that time. So I want to start this morning in Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11, and it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So we know that God has a plan for all of our lives. Can you say amen? He doesn't just have a plan for Pastor Cordell. He doesn't have a plan just for the superintendent of the UPC, but he's got a plan for each and every one of us as individuals. And oftentimes, I think we fall short or we get distracted by the things of this world and we don't accomplish what God has for us to accomplish. Can we all agree with that? Amen? All right. So, so thinking on those thoughts, I want to talk about what I, what I term as Peter's tumultuous 60 days, Okay. And um, some boldness versus timidity that we see Peter um, exuding and bringing forth. So I want to turn and start in John chapter 13. And I got some lengthy readings here this morning. I apologize, but um, just to kind of get the concept, we're going to read a lot of scripture. And then we'll expound on it a little bit. John chapter 13, starting with verse 1, says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. 
And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's sons, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from the supper and laid aside his garments. And he took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then he comes to Simon, Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, you plan on washing my feet? Jesus said, yes, I plan on washing your feet. Um, what I do now knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. So then Peter says, you're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So we hear another rebuke here. You know, Peter, again, quick to speak and speaks emotionally. And Jesus corrects him that if, you don't, if I don't wash your feet, you're not going to have any part of me. So then Simon says unto him, Lord, don't just wash my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he that is washed needeth not, or needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Because he was talking about Judas Iscariot. For he knew that who, he who should betray him, therefore he said, ye are not all clean. So after that he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down, he saith unto them, know ye not what I have done to you. Ye call me master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye ought to, or ye also ought to wash one another's feet. So, so I want to talk just a few minutes about, kind of a side note about foot washing. Um, we'll get back to Peter. But, you know, foot washing was a menial but necessary task that was usually carried out by the household servants or the lower class of people. Okay, rarely, if ever, was it performed by a peer or a social superior. So we see Jesus here saying he's going to wash the disciples' feet because we know that God's ways are not our ways, right? God's ways are almost 100% of the time contrary to the ways of this world. The ways of this world say that, you know, oh, you've earned your status, you know, people ought to come to you and, and, you know, and respect you and do this thing, but Jesus says it's not going to work that way. If you want to be great, you've got to be the least of all. And you've got to be a servant to all. That's the way that God's kingdom works. It's contrary to the way the world says it should work. Um, so we see here this is a sign of social reversal. It's also a sign of humility and devotion. His love and devotion that he had for the disciples. You know, I, just a little story here. I heard a story about a person one time that uh, there was two young men and they went in business together and they were, they were doing, doing their business. They both had separate jobs and they were trying to work a business together. And during that time of them trying to work that business together, one of the guys probably was putting a lot more time into the business than, than one of the other guys. But these, both, both these men were, were young Christian men. And uh, so through the course of time, you know, as frustration can build, you know, in partnerships, of business, uh, the one the one guy he thought, well, he was getting frustrated with with the other with with the other person, his other partner. So he decided that instead of having a conversation with him and trying to talk out those things, he would just go start another business, and he would take he would take a lot of the clientele that he had, and he'd just kind of move it over to that other business without telling his his partner because 
instead of having that confrontation, you thought that would be an easier way to go. So obviously with them both being, you know, followers of Christ, the, the other person who, according to how, how I understand the story, you know, he was kind of feeling like he was going to probably talk to, have a conversation with his other partner and say, well, you know what, I don't know that this is really right for me, and um, I'm probably going to step back and you could just take it over. But during, before he had a chance to say that to the, to the other person, the other person had done all these other things and had started to, started a different business. So, so you can see where this kind of started, the potential for a lot of conflict would be. And um, when the one found out that the other one had went and started another business, it was taking all the, the clients that they had at the time or whatever, you know, there was, there was a lot of anger and disappointment and frustration because, you know, they consider one, each other not only partners, but, but fam- the family of God and, and, and brothers in Christ. So, so through that um, time, you know, there was, again, there was a lot of anger that rose up and, um, and some unforgiveness that, that arose up in, in the one. So what he decided to do is he decided, you know, I'm going to call my pastor and I'm going to have a meeting with, with the other guy and try to iron out, you know, our differences and try to reach a place of forgiveness. So what the, what the, what the guy did was he, he called the pastor and then he called, called the other guy and they went in the pastor's office. And as part of that process, you know, they talked it out for a while. He had set aside a, a basin of water earlier because he knew that in order to completely forgive the guy, he had to humble himself before him and be a servant. And that he would find the avenue to forgiveness if he did that. So at the end of the conversation, he went and got a basin of water and he washed, he washed the guy's feet that had done these things to him in order to find that path to forgiveness. You know, foot washing and forgiveness, they're not necessarily, we don't see them correlate in scripture. But we know that foot washing talks about being humble. And when offenses come in our lives, generally what's hurt is our pride, right? And the Bible says pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So where, again, it's not required that you wash someone's feet to forgive them, I believe that there's some truth to, to what that person did because in washing that person's feet, he humbled themselves, became a servant to them, and in doing so, he was able to find the avenue and the door to forgiveness in that situation. You know, when those offenses come and the door opens wide for our pride to step in, you know, we think, who does this person think he is? You know, or, or how could that lady be so selfish and inconsiderate not to consider my feelings, right? And that pride rises up within us. <laughs> and, um, and pride is the enemy Pride is the enemy of our, of our, our spiritual man. And um, in order sometimes to work through that, we need to find an avenue to, back to humility. <clears throat> and our pride is being stepped on through offense. Oftentimes the humility that we maybe once had vacates the premises. We find ourselves wounded, hurt, and usually very willing to retaliate in some way, shape, or form. 
And we, want to sh- we find ourselves oftentimes sharing our story with others so they will understand how our pride is hurt and assure us that we are justified in our feelings. So again, foot washing is not required for the forgiveness process, but sometimes I think it would be an avenue that we could find our, our way to forgiveness a little easier by doing so. So, amen. But back to Peter. We know Peter had spent three and a half years following Jesus, right? Um, Jesus, Peter was a fisherman. Jesus had, um, it's kind of interesting, when Jesus had called Peter, uh, we, we find, I think it's in Luke, that he had asked them to, to use his boat so he could preach to the crowd. And then he preached to the crowd, and then he told them, well, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, because they had fished all night and didn't catch anything. And when they threw the nets out, uh, and they pulled them in, the, the Bible says that the nets were full of fish, right? And they were so full that the nets broke. And after the nets broke, um, Jesus, and, 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 they had, and they had just listened to Jesus' speech, because they were on the boat with him when he, they took him out to shore. It's right after that point that they left their jobs, and follow Jesus. So I don't know what the sim- symbolism is in the fact that their nets break when they're fishing, but maybe it's that, hey, you know, you're no longer called to be a fisherman. Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. No longer are you going to be fishers of fish, but you're going to be fishers of men. And uh, so I want you to remember that story because we're going to come back around to that in a little while here. Um, but Peter spent three and a half years at the heels of Jesus, and we find that even after three and a half years, he still had some lessons to learn. He had some attitudes to work out. And I'm, cert- I'm certain that Peter, during this time, um, the 60 days uh, in particular, that he was suffering from a whirlwind of emotion. I mean, I don't know if you ever sat and thought about everything that went on from the disciples' perspective when you know, they, they had the Last Supper, and then Jesus was taken in, and then he was crucified. You know, their whole life and everything that they had been doing for the last three years, they had abandoned everything else, their, their, their livelihoods, to follow this man. And they didn't understand everything that was happening. You know, they were still certain that Jesus was going to restore an earthly kingdom. And he wasn't here to restore an earthly kingdom. But they were certain that that's what he was here for. And now, through this time period all these different things are going on. And um, so it was a very emotional time for the disciples at this time. And uh, we find his emotions running the full gamut, if you will, during these 60 days. But Jesus, just as Jesus had plans for the emotional Peter, God also has plans for every one of us. And we'll see as we continue to read here, John chapter 13 Uh, 23 through 35. John 13, 23 through 35. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. So they're wondering who's going to betray him. I just find it interesting here. All of a sudden, Peter is too timid to ask Jesus a question. <laughs> I mean, all the other times, he was the first one to speak, you know. 
And maybe it's possibly because he was timid now because Jesus had just rebuked him about the washing of the feet. I'm not sure. But um, now, all of a sudden Jesus, now all of a sudden he's, hey, you asked the question. I'm too afraid to ask a question, you know? So um, it just, it's just kind of funny. But again, I think it all relates to the emotional roller coaster that Peter was on during this time. If we go down to verse 36 through 38 um, of the same chapter, it says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither, thou, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou cannot follow me, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. So now we see him, you know, bold and almost with a twinge of impatience that Jesus is saying he can't follow him. Where I'm going, you can't follow me. And he's like, why not? I can follow you. I'll, I'll be willing to lay down my life for you. And we know that Jesus, his next thing is he almost rebukes him again here. And he says, you're not, you know, in, um, before the cock crows thrice, you're going to deny me. And he kind of, he again, uh, reprimanded Peter. So then we, if we go down to John chapter 18, John chapter 18, verse 10. Here we see Peter being bold again. And uh, we know that when they were in the garden of Gethsemane and Judas brings the high priest to the garden and they got a whole contingent of men with them. And Peter grabs a sword. I don't even know why he had a sword. Do you ever consider why he had a sword on? Where did he get the sword from? And why was he carrying a sword all of a sudden? Jesus had been telling him all this time to be, to be you know, to be humble and to be a servant to all and, you know, and that you love one another and to be attitudes and everything else. And all of a sudden, Peter is wielding a sword. Where in the world did that come from? You know, cuts off the guy's ear. He was a servant to the high priest. So he, uh, again, Peter being bold and being emotional, kind of being, I don't know, a little flying off the, flying off the handle, if you will. And we know that Jesus heals the man's ear. But have you ever thought, too, that now Peter just cut somebody's ear off. The high priest is there. They've been searching for all this time to find, you know, to arrest Jesus. According to Jewish law, it says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? Why didn't they arrest Peter along with Jesus? Because they had just assaulted another person. I think it was probably because the high priests were so focused on trying to catch Jesus and they finally got him that it wasn't, it wasn't a consideration anymore that they, would even, that they would even grab Peter. But by all rights, Peter here could have been arrested for the same things that they were trying to get Jesus for and the fact that he had, he had, he had uh, broken the, the Jewish law. John uh, 18, 15 through 18, if you want to drop down a little bit. So we know that as... Uh, after he did that, they, they arrest Jesus and they take him. And we know and Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple, um, which more than likely was the disciple John, uh, who wrote this book. He usually doesn't specify his name. Uh, that disciple was known, the disciple John was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Jesus, or but Peter stood at the door without um, and then went out the other disciple, John, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought Peter in. So John actually went and got permission for Peter to enter into the courtyard of the high priest. 
I don't know if you ever considered that before. So Peter was stuck outside. Peter, John had gone inside. He must knew some people. Now, Peter is going inside. He had just cut off this man's ear. And there's another, um, I'm not sure which gospel is in, but it says that a lot of the relatives of that man were in the courtyard of the high priest. So Peter's going into the courtyard where all these people are and the man he just assaulted, okay? So I'm not 100% certain, but we know that the denial of Jesus is coming up here. And I don't know if he was denying Jesus because um, he just didn't want to be associated with him or if he didn't want to be recognized that he was the man that had just cut off this guy's ear. Because again... He could have been arrested for that and held at court just as Jesus was being arrested and held at court, you know, held for at trial for the same thing. But regardless of the reason that it happened, we know that Peter, you know, the bold, emotional Peter, um, who's quick to speak, speak, um, we know that he denies the Lord. 25 through 27 of the same chapter of John chapter 18. It says, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, and they said therefore unto him, Art thou now also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. Now, obviously, if John, John was there too, and he knew the high priests. So they must have known that he hung out with Jesus if, they're, if they knew him, because they knew him, right? So, um, and he had to be there in the garden with, with Jesus when they arrested him. So they knew that that John was hanging out with them, and there was no intention of them arresting John, so I don't know why Peter would think that they were going to arrest him for just being associated with Jesus, because John didn't feel that threat. So again, possibly because Peter did what he did with the servant when he cut off his ear, that was maybe why he didn't want to be associated with Jesus. I don't know, just food for thought. Um, one of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Then Peter denied him, and immediately the cock crew. Um, I want to turn, if you would, over to Luke chapter 22 and talk about this. Uh, in, in, the, in Luke's version of this, because I think Luke's version of this, it's a little more uh, striking, if you will. Luke chapter 22, uh, verses 55 through 62. And when, they had, and when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, they were all set down together. Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after that, a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also one of them, one, or of him, or of them, sorry. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately the cock, or immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And this is what I just thought was, verse 61 here says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, and how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Have you ever thought what that look was that Jesus, when Jesus looked at him? I mean, it could have been a lot of different looks, I guess. Um, well, you know, was it disappointment 
with a tinge of compassion maybe? Was it I, a look of I told you so? Or was it just a look of straight out love, slamming Peter with conviction? You know? I don't know what the look was when Jesus looked at him. But I know, just as Peter disappoints Jesus, sometimes I disappoint Jesus. And I know that when he looks on me, or you, I know his arms are stretched out still, and he has a look of love, even though through our disappointment, sometimes, he still loves you, he still loves me, he still has a plan for you, he still has a plan for me. Just as he still had a plan for Peter, even though he had just got done denying him three times. All right, let's turn back over to John chapter 20, verse, starting with verse 1. Again, this is a, like 60, a 60 day time frame. Oh man, I'm never going to get through it. Time's almost gone. So I'll just make this one really, really quick here. Uh, we won't bother reading it, but so this is Peter and John coming to the sepulcher, or sepulcher, however you want to say it. Um, technically, the L is after, or the U is before the L, so it can't be a sepulcher. But um, <laughs> so it's got to be sepulcher. But um, anyway, so John gets there, and Peter, John runs ahead of Peter and gets there before Peter. So John looks inside, sees that Jesus isn't there. Well, Peter gets there, and he just runs right inside. He doesn't even bother staying looking on the outside. You no, know, just as Peter usually does, he just, you know, runs right inside and kind of, you know, throw all caution to the wind, you know, the bold Peter, and uh, sees that Jesus isn't there. And again, in Luke, there's a scripture here in, in Luke chapter 24, if you could turn back to it real quick. Um, I find, it, I find it interesting that uh, it says, Luke chapter 24, verse 12 says, and then Peter, or then arose Peter and ran to the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by them and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. So again, that emotional, all that stuff, the disappointment, the confusion, um, to me was, he was wondering in himself. You know, I, I sometimes wonder if he, that included a lot of doubt and what have I done for the last three years? I was following this man and now he's not here anymore. John, it says, John, as soon as he saw the empty bedclothes there, John believed. He believed just, just as Lazarus had rose from the dead, Jesus was risen from the dead. But Peter, on the other hand, he was wondering in himself, what's going on? Where, you know, um, confusion, I think, entered his mind and, and disappointment. Could it be, though, that Peter was so desperate to see Jesus and to find Jesus because of the denial and you don't want to have that opportunity. You know, I mean, you hear people say, you know, that somebody had passed away in their life and the last thing they said to that person was something that was harsh or, 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 hurt, or hurtful or whatever, you know, and I, I wish I could have that opportunity back to say the right thing. It was Peter at that same point where he just wishes he had the opportunity to make to say the right thing, could I just have that opportunity back to not deny Jesus, you know, or to, to apologize or tell him I'm sorry. Um, again, uh, just the emotional state that, that we find him in and uh, that he's going through. Uh, verses 
13 through 16 of Luke chapter 24 um, talks about that uh, there was two, after, right after that, two men, one of them being Peter, um, they, they took off for a village and Jesus revealed himself to them. And we see towards the end of that verse, and if you read through 30 and 35, and again, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to read it, but that, that they say that Jesus revealed himself unto Simon. And I wonder if he first revealed himself unto Simon so they could have that moment together and talk and give Peter the opportunity to, to uh, you know, apologize or repent or make things right with his master. So, um, John, going back to John chapter 21, we see that then Jesus uh, appears, it appears that some of the disciples, Jesus appeared three times, so this was the first time when he did to Simon, then eight days later, he meets the disciples again and shows Thomas his hands, we all know that story, and then it appears back in John chapter 21 that Peter, I think again, talking about the emotional state he is and then the confused, confused part of his life that he's in. You know, sometimes when God disappoints or we feel that God maybe fails us, you know, we want to return to what we know. What maybe, I don't know, we pour ourselves into our work or we pour ourselves into a hobby because God failed us or disappointed us. We see Peter here, he decides he's going to go back fishing, you know. I spent three and a half years with him, but now he's gone you know, he's, in, he's confused, he's not sure, he's probably hurt. So he says, you know what? I'm going to return to what I know, and I'm going to go back fishing. So he, some of the disciples had, had returned up to Galilee. Galilee's way north of Jerusalem. Um, and they were going fishing. We know Jesus appears to them while they're fishing, while they're catching. And they fished all night. And again, Simon... For some reason, he's naked. I'm not exactly sure why. But um, so when he realizes, John's like, hey, that's Jesus that's talking to us. He throws a jack, a, a jacket on and jumps into the, into the water to, because he's naked. So um, again, it just, I think there's a lot of confusion and frustration because sometimes when, when we're following God, we don't always have a full understanding where God's taking us. And Peter, I think at that time, he just didn't have a full understanding of where God was taking him and God's plan for his life. And he was maybe lost in the confusion that was, that was upon him at the time. And so I just want to say, some, you know, if, if you find yourself in that circumstance where you're just maybe lost and confused because you don't know where God's at, just keep looking towards him because he's got a plan for you, just as he had a plan for Peter. We know, and for sake of time, I'm going to pretty much cut it short here, but we know that um, Peter ends up preaching, preaching the first message, right? He ends up delivering the plan of salvation on the day of Pentecost. And then a chapter later, he ends up, him and John are in the temple, and they end up raising, you know, the, the lame man, who was lame for 40 years. In 40 years, that man was lame. So everybody knew him, because he had been there for so long. And then next chapter, in chapter 5, we know that they were preaching in the synagogue. They went to the synagogue and preached. And 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost, and a few days later, 5,000 people were saved in the, in the synagogue from the preaching of Peter. So God had a plan for Peter. He had a purpose for Peter. And even though Peter was confused and hurt and, and didn't understand where God was taking him, and I know there's times in our lives where we, we find ourselves in that same circumstance, God still has a plan for us, for each and every one of us. He's got an intention for our lives. And 
when we find ourselves there, we just need to keep on doing what's right and keep on seeking his face, following after him, and he'll take us through those circumstances, and eventually we're going to do something great for him if we keep the faith and keep following after him, as we see that Peter did and accomplished um, in, in his life. So, God bless you. Sorry I didn't get through it all, but thank you for your attention. <laughs> so. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.